Aha. Uh-huh. Got it working. You got it? You can't. Did it work? Unbelievable, dude. I am the man. You are the man. <laughs> That's so Yeah, weird. say more. Say more about it, Bisc. Don't you love, though, when computer guys are like, hey, you know what's, what's working really well right now is Skype. Everybody's loving it. People are podcasting with it. Let's update it so yeah. that it doesn't work yeah. anymore. And that you're going to have yeah. to figure out a way to make it work. That's what I, I love. Those are the things I love. Yeah. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Let's dive in. All right. Good to be with you, dudes. Yeah, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. How was it? Tremendous. Cool. Tremendous. You guys had a week off? Uh, Yeah, I had a week off. Deer hunted. uh, Ate a lot of food. It was great. Right on. Yeah, and I went home, stopped in Cincinnati, saw my good buddies, uh, then went home and stayed with the family. We vegged hard Mm -hmm. this week. Yeah, it was pretty next level. Watched (laughs) tons of college football. Um, Mm. Yeah, and then I was in the car yesterday for 14 and a half hours, and I was about to lose my mind, just stuck in traffic. I need Mm. to quit doing that. It's the second time I've done that. Driving back up here after Thanksgiving break, Mm. the roads are packed. Mm. And for some reason, people still think it's a good idea to... Um, do construction hmm. on the weekend. So that's insane. Um, but I made it back up here like 10.30 last night, so we're good to go. Nice. Had an awesome book on tape, Tale of Two Cities. Oh, really? Very good. Never read it before. Hmm. I think it's the first Dickens novel I've ever read. So, yeah, it's a great book. That is awesome. I'm listening to a good book on tape right now as well called The Boys in the Boat. Have you heard of that one? No. About the University of Washington rowing team who won the gold medal in the 1936 Olympics. Wow. Um, so it's like that was when they were in Germany, kind of like Hitler really taking power, et cetera. Um, very interesting. It was one of the recommendations under Unbroken. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's super good so far. Yeah, Learned a lot about rowing. Was he at that Olympic in, in 36? Louis yeah. Zamperini? Yeah, that's the same one he ran in. Okay. Um, and so this is, I mean, like, they haven't talked about him at all, but it's a cool book. Like, it's just their stories, and it's just kind of like a story worth telling. It's not, you know, it's not like this, like, world-level heroics or anything like that, but it's just, it's been very good so far. Yeah. It's a cool story, so. What did you get into over break, Father? Oh, man. This and that. Working. A lot of funerals, man. Not oh funerals. I don't know what the deal is, but people need to stop dying. Yeah, you've had tons of funerals lately. Yeah, Yeah, and as I was driving to the cemetery for this one before I got on this call, secretary called me. Hey, you know, is it okay if I schedule another one for Friday? What am I going to say? No, no, no more funerals (laughs) this year. Yeah, got to do it. So it's been uh, been good. I mean. Funerals are, in a way, beautiful. Get to be with people and 
very intimate moment, but it's also kind of exhausting and it's tough to it's tough to get back on the rails at, after a funeral because it takes up pretty much your whole morning and then your, yeah. your afternoon you're kind of trying to like concentrate on stuff. It's it's kind of emotionally draining, but the Thanksgiving holiday was great. I had family time and whatnot. The Friday after Thanksgiving was excellent. There was nothing. No one called. No one died. Um, it was just a pure free day. Office was closed. Mm-hmm. Slept in. I'm I'm starting to uh, gauge how good my days are by how long I'm wearing sweatpants before I start my day. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting up earlier a lot um, and going to bed early. And so it's, you can increase your sweatpants time by just getting up like an hour and a half earlier than you normally would. And nobody's expecting you to be anywhere. So you just sit around and do your breviary, drink your coffee, pray the rosary, read a book, do some email, all while wearing sweatpants. It's money. You're an old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting there. I like that gauge though. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today was a good day, man. I spent four and a half hours in sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I have, uh, I was thinking, and we can keep going wherever this is going, but just since we're on such a time crunch here, I had a topic idea to throw out. All right. Well, before you do that, I just want to say that I did get a speeding ticket. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What? Was it bad? No, it was a speed trap. It was very frustrating. I just wanted to vent that. So I'm coming home from one of my many funerals this past week. It was actually Wednesday, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, A 29-year-old young lady who, um, well, this is a whole other topic that I thought about sharing if we had podcasted last week. But a 29-year-old young lady who was mentally handicapped passed away um, two weeks ago last Friday or a week Mm -hmm. ago last Friday. And I had been there for the anointing, and it was actually a very, very moving experience in which I weeped for like a good 10 minutes with the mother in the ICU. Wow. Um, mm. Weeped or wept? Was Jesus wept. Wept, yeah. Um, but it was very, very moving, and this whole funeral was kind of moving, this family. And, you know, a girl who had always been uh, special and, you know, here she was, you know, saying goodbye to, to everybody and unable to speak or I don't know. It was, it was to me an image of poverty of spirit. And I, I preached about it a little bit with the parable of the talents. But in any case, it, it's that whole rigmarole had done the wake the night before and then the funeral and then coming home from the cemetery, which was rather far away. Uh, and it was about about time to start doing Thanksgiving stuff. I'm going 11 over on one of the main thoroughfares, which Ugh. is 46 miles an hour. It was a 35 but it really, oh. it really should be a fifty, you know, it's like a on. four or five yeah. lane deal. And he pulls me over, and at first I'm like, "Is he?" Because I'm stopped at a red light, and I see the lights behind me. I'm like, "Is that for me? I better just like take a right on red here and pull off to the side and see if he goes by." No, nope, sure enough, it's me. Got my stuff ready, my license and registration, or license and proof of insurance, and he pulls up to the passenger side door. Doesn't even look at me. Just says, "You know this, you know." give me your license and blah, blah, blah. And I hand it to him. Comes back. Here's your citation. Slow it down. Happy Thanksgiving. It's <laughs> like, come on. Where are my clerics? Got my funeral book on the passenger seat. No conversation whatsoever. So there's your answer if you're wondering if you get out of speeding tickets for being a priest. You don't. Yeah. Dude. That I, I was pretty weak sauce. <laughs> yeah. That is... 
Yeah, especially the day before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I've heard that um, like certain departments, they have to reach a quota of speeding tickets. That's what before. I was thinking. I was like, how far into the month are we? And it's yeah. a holiday weekend, I'm sure. Yeah. I had a feeling I was getting one, but I would have liked at least a little bit. Sorry, Father, you know, just this the way it is. And you're going 11 over. I had to give you this ticket. It was like nothing. Yeah. No humanity to it whatsoever. And I, I felt a little pathetic because I go, I wanted to just throw in. It was already too late. He had already handed me the ticket. He'd written me the ticket. And I go, uh, uh, I was heading home from the cemetery. He's like, yeah, just slow it down. And walks away. <laughs> like, oh, now I feel even dirtier because I tried to yeah. tug at his heartstrings, <laughs> but it totally didn't work. <laughs> oh, man, dude, I hate that. It's yeah. just so irritating. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the speeding ticket I got on the way to a funeral? No. Yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> I I was driving I was driving down to Atlanta and I had a buddy whose dad he passed and the funeral happened to be in Peoria. So I just changed my direction of travel, left a little bit early. It was like a 4-hour drive down there, something like that. And you know, I'm like quasi lost, finally find the right exit. I'm going to show up to the funeral right on time and I'm maybe an out like a mile out from the church. Um, and I get pulled over for doing 12 over. You know, I'm, so I'm doing 47 and a 35 and I'm like, look, I I'm dressed up in my suit. I give him my military ID, the seminary ID with me and caller. <laughs> it's like everything. I'm my a respectable person. <laughs> yeah. Like I look me am, up, Google me. I'm going to be late for this funeral. <laughs> So I said, are you going to make me late for this funeral? And he goes, well, if you keep talking, you're going to be even more late. Oh, <laughs> like, dude. The you. Wow. Like, I'm out of town. I, I, I'm i just trying to find this church. And so he gives me the ticket. And he's like, oh, the church is just a mile down that way on your right. And then leaves. I was oh, like. man. Freaking divine justice. I, oh. I just believe in it in those moments. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> yeah, it was infuriating. So, sorry about that. It I really is, don't like I, what I really don't like is this. I understand you have to have a bureaucracy and processes and rules and regulations and the way things are done and the way things aren't done because there's a lot of people trying to move around uh, to a lot of places and a little bit of time and narrow roads and you got to have order, not chaos. So I get people who have to do their jobs, whether you're police or or whatever, uh, whoever's in charge of enforcing rules but when the bureaucracy just takes the place of human interaction that really drives me crazy where mm-hmm. you can't um i mean it goes the, the same way when you look at those sovereign citizens you ever watched any of those videos where the people like roll down their window a half inch and say Are, am i being detained and like read all their rights their first amendment rights and all that stuff to the cops so that Instead of just roll down your window and have a conversation with this person, you're a cop, I'm a priest, we're all human beings here, let's have a conversation. You know, I respect you, you respect me. Even if you end up giving me the ticket, mm-hmm. because I did break the law objectively, but so does every single person on every road ever <laughs> go higher than the speed limit. Um, but to have a conversation and I don't know. I woke up fit to be tied today. I'm in kind of a mood. I think I didn't get enough sleep. Preach it, dude. No, preach it. Well, hey, let's just take a step back. How long were you in sweatpants today? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Not <laughs> yeah. long enough. Yep. Not long enough. That's the uh, that's the answer. That's my problem. 
Now I'm in a mood. <laughs> yeah, just from hearing these stories. I'm not even kidding. Ugh. Yeah. No, I talked to somebody last night on the on the drive up, which thanks be to God, all these people called me because it kept me sane. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were also fit to be tied. And sometimes it's just really good to uh, to like not only voice your anger, but to listen to somebody <laughs> be angry. Yep. In the Mets household, we call it a rage session. <laughs> yeah, I've actually had one of my younger brothers say like, I just got done raging to him. I was like, dude, I'm so sorry about that. He's like, what? Dude, anytime you want to rage, just call me. Yeah. Like, it gets him pumped Fired up. up. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, I've been wronged. I need to tell somebody about this. Dude, let me be your rage sump. Just dump yeah. on me. Rage session, two minutes. <laughs> Everybody meet in the kitchen. What the hell is going on around here? And another uh, thing. Uh, so what's your topic, Roboto? I don't Hijo care. De Juan? I'm done with it. It's not important. Dude, throw it out there. We need it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. It's well. It's it, we can rage on it. It maybe if if we agree to rage on it, then I'll throw it out there. Okay, Is that done. Okay. Um. So one of the things, and I wouldn't have framed it like this, but coming to my mood now. <laughs> But I noticed I watched the news a couple times over <laughs> break. What? And can somebody tell me what statistics are? Because, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and I mean that exactly how I word it. Because it's like, I don't believe anything know, that dude. you're telling me. And this is, I'm, I'm going to throw like church stuff in this too. Like, quit giving me freaking statistics about like how bad things are or like whatever because i don't know what it means and i'm like 99 percent sure i'm like 95 percent sure that i don't know what it means but i'm 99 percent sure that you don't know what it means that right. are explaining it to me so a theology of statistics go well what's it give me an example if it if you can do it without being too controversial Oh, I don't even know, man. Well, okay, like, um, I mean, you take something in like politics or I don't, something like that of like just like X amount of percentage of people, um, like think that this is okay, you right. know, or whatever. Um, but it's, I mean, and then it can like translate into. Dude, whatever, especially about like youth in general, yeah, like mm-hmm. that's that's like a lot of like the the church like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of based studies are like oh, oh like forty four percent of the youth, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Blah blah, and it, it just like never holds to like individual people that you talk to who are way more complex and like actually have a story yeah. behind them. Um, so I'm yeah. reading I'm reading a book right now called uh, The Righteous Mind. It's actually for a book club, which I tried to join, but I'm not going to be available for their first meeting. Um, FYI. But it's kind of a cool, I, I mean, I just basically started it. He's a moral psychologist, and, he, and he's kind of walking through where morals come from in the first chapter. And that's the only chapter I've read so far. But he talks about how, and I, this is going to be applicable for the following reason, that we tend to... He says, um, already figure out like what we want to be true or what we intuit to be true by either like basically our emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he's talking in the realm of morals, but this easily applies in politics. So much. I mean, like the fact that people are so adamant about their political or economic positions when they're really not experts in either thing. Mm-hmm. You just have a you have a visceral gut feeling about something. Trust or good. Mm-hmm. And then you figure out all the reasons why that's right. You know, um, and so like this even happens in scientific bias. There's a big scandal recently about all this data being bad because people are just picking the data that proves their point or what they want to be true or hope is true. Oh, yeah. sure, um, sure. Much less in the human sciences. Those are the hard sciences. Much less in the human sciences where you can word a question any way you want exactly. to get the answer you want. So, f- for example, he uh, he was talking about how somebody was trying to show that morals is basically just, um, well, one of the the sort of liberal consensus in the West was, well, mor- morals basically just is harm, has to do with harm and fairness, you know. So most people, once they grow up and are mature, they kind of leave the childish just convention. They see um, conventions as these hard and fast rules, and they're able to like kind of transcend convention and say what's really immoral is hurting another person or doing something that's unfair um all morals can basically boil down to that and you know other than that you know like wear whatever clothes you want or you know do whatever thing you want with your body as long as you're not hurting anybody um that's sort of the enlightened view but they were trying to show that in other cultures besides the west no people don't see that dividing line so much um that even if something's not harming you they could still see like things like gender roles or or dietary restrictions can be a moral question regardless of whether it has to do with fairness or harm so for instance they ask people in india um is it immoral for a woman to uh cook um after she defecates without changing her clothes you know like regardless of whether that's that's just a simple it's almost like a jewish uh mikvah bath thing like you have to change your clothes um before you if you do that if you go to the bathroom you have to change your clothes before you cook or something like that and that might seem like a silly to us enlightened people that might seem like a silly convention but to them like if you'd ask them is that harming someone they would have said yeah it's harming the people that she's cooking for even though it's not but that's how they perceive it my point is that you can make that question look however you want. And you, there's a reason they picked that question. You know what I mean? Um, to prove their point. I don't know if that explains it very well. But when I read statistics, when I read any article now that claims to know what everybody's thinking or what, um, like the finger on the pulse of the American people or people in general, like all of the West or all of Africa or something like how can you possibly know that? Yeah. You know? Anyways. Yeah, look, yeah. statistics was my least favorite class in all of my years of school. Hmm. Yeah, high school, college, seminary, statistics was my least favorite class. Um, and the first class that we went into, I remember the teacher saying that you can make statistics say whatever you want. Yeah. Literally, you can you can. Isn't it the old Mark Twain quote? It's like there there are lies, damn lies, and then there are statistics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's Mark Twain. Yeah, Dude, it's yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating because like what you were saying earlier, Father. People have foregone conclusions, 
and then work evidence to prove the conclusion that they already had. Well, that's my point is that all that complicated thing was like he, he had an idea of what he wanted to say morality was. And so he finagled questions and asked specific people those questions yeah. so that he'd mm-hmm. get the responses that he expected. And that's yeah. so easy to do. And it's Look, easy to do without even knowing you're doing it. Oh, yeah. That, that's actually my biggest beef. And this is like a tangential track mm-hmm. here. But with documentaries... Mm. I feel the oh, same yeah. way about documentaries. Rage. Rage, what? dude. Do, <laughs> do you know how Safe many space. people that I talk to that are like college age or post-college I watched age? a documentary about it, and so I think I know a thing or two. Okay? Everybody, dude, that's how, <laughs> that's how people are educated. Right. Through, via, via YouTube, via documentary, which I could make a documentary that could prove anything that I wanted. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the way that it's like compiled and cut up and the people that they talk to, I mean, like even look at Bill Maher's Religious documentary. Hmm. All he does is just go and interview people on extreme ends of their religious spectrum and then makes generalizations based off of these conversations that he's had. Mm -hmm. You could do that with anything. Dude, I could make a documentary (laughs) proving that the United States is the most religious country in the world. Mm -hmm. Easily. Oh, yeah. Like there would be no problem actually doing that so you can just work evidence however you want so i guess the the question is well do you have anything i don't no. okay. maybe maybe three dogs north should do a documentary sometimes kind of what i was thinking but <laughs> about us being <laughs> the greatest <laughs> yeah well assuming yeah that's something along those about lines. the millions yeah. of people that we've reached and changed the lives <laughs> yes, of yes yes we are an international mover in the catholic church we could we say can all things that. that are technically true Mm-hmm. Just well, leave I, the rest could, up to the imagination. Yes, could a- absolutely prove that. Right? How many? Mm-hmm. How many downloads do we have? It's uh, like on the front like of Talladega Nights, and it says "best movie ever," and then in really small, like after the quotation, it's by Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. It's doesn't uh, he say in that same movie when he's talking to the French guy? He's like, "You ever seen The Highlander?" It's it's a won an Oscar for uh, for best movie ever. <laughs> uh, all right, continue, Mike. Well, mm-hmm. What was I saying? About you can make a documentary and prove anything. Yeah, we could prove anything. Well, I think yeah. what the power of a documentary is is that you can weave in and out of the general and the specific. So you can... Um, you know, oh, do sort okay. of infographics and bar graphs and then yeah. like go interview somebody and then kind of intimate but not say that this is what that graph means is like this person is your average. Everybody's yeah. like this. Yeah. It, it all started with the bureaucracy of that cop not being Dude, a human right. being to you, mm-hmm. not writing you a ticket. You, yeah. This is this will put me in a funk for at least 24 hours like, talking <laughs> about bureaucracy slash like in my opinion wasted government spending i'm just done there yeah. we go so anything we talk about will be negative yes. happy thanksgiving <laughs> mike continue yeah no the, the so then the question is then how do you get around that because i i mean maybe this is a falsitivity which is a new lo- word that i learned that we use in the in the, in the mess household, I guess there's a wrestling coach who, like, anytime you say something stupid that he disagrees with, he'll just go, eh, that's falsitivity right there. <laughs> then, all right, so this could be a falsitivity, but I'm assuming there's a way that you can fairly and accurately and truthfully present statistics that, um, yeah, that are true, that you're not just making it up to prove your own point. 
Um, but is there a way that you can get around this generalization and personalization, that balance that actually portrays the truth of the matter, not whatever you want to say? Yeah, I think it's the, um, well, you know more about phenomenology having studied either Stein, but I feel like it's the, uh, letting reality unfold itself or reveal itself to you. And especially in the person of the other, like encountering somebody, the Pope's language of actually encountering somebody who disagrees with you and actually listening and trying to understand their point of view instead of always just trying to buttress your own intuitions and your own point of view with whatever evidence you can find. I mean, the, the biggest thing, I, I think, I go back to my time doing science <clears throat> in college where, like, the one thing that I actually accomplished in, in research was getting this one experiment to work the way it was supposed to work to prove kind of the point that my doctoral student was trying to make, I was assistant to. And it took me all summer because the experiment took days to run. And I had to run it over and over and over again because kept, I kept having like little errors in the um, experiment and, there, and the data wasn't quite right. But it, I already knew what it was supposed to look like because what, what we assumed was happening, what we were trying to prove about this molecule that we were studying. It was like a, a protein that bond, bonded with um, manganese or magnesium or something like that. And it was a chemical reaction in it, and the curve was supposed to look a certain way. And I knew that I did it wrong if it didn't look that way. Hmm. So I feel like that's that's all of our that's paradigmatic thinking in the in the language of Thomas Kuhn. Um, that you already know kind of the lattice work of like what what reality is supposed to look like, and then you just shove in little pieces of evidence, and you ignore most of the stuff because it doesn't fit into your worldview. Um, you know, but. Like, for instance, Christopher Hitchens, when asked um, a blessed memory, God rest his soul, even though he was an atheist, he was talking about how, why he doesn't believe in religion or why he doesn't believe in God. And uh, he said something like, because it's just too far-fetched. He's like, why would, uh, you know, human beings have been around for 100 to 200,000 years or something like that. And um, most of that time, it's just been this brutal existence lasting 20 25 years if you're lucky and most of most people die of their teeth rotting and lack of medicine and lack of all this you know modern comfort um people brutally killing each other and until finally god you know who's been sitting there with his arms crossed watching all this senseless suffering for hundred thousand years finally reveals himself to uh some guy in the you know tigris and euphrates river valley um you know, and blah, blah, blah. And it just sort of like makes the whole story sound so far-fetched and ludicrous that you say, yeah, if that were the case, then it would seem kind of weird, you know, or unexplainable. But the point is that he's, first of all, biased in the way that he's looking at the data, like how long the human race existed or what we can't possibly know, which is what life was like before um, written history. You know, if you if you look at tribes that don't have the comforts of modern technology. It's not like a bunch of people just miserably dying in their 20s from rotting teeth. You know, they have pretty sophisticated societies, et cetera, et cetera. My point is that like you, he was expecting to see a world without God in it. You know, so he'll he'll just like pick out what he thinks kind of buttresses that that opinion. And I'm the same way. Like I think there, I think the world has God in it. And I think the Catholic Church is the bulwark of truth and the vicar of christ on earth and 
And so I'm guilty as much as the next guy of, of bias and filtering my perception of reality through my preconceived notions. But you have to pick one. That's the point. You have to pick a position and then figure out whether it's true or not. But to your point about like, how do you, how do you get over that? Like generalizing specific documentary. I know everything because I, I watched supersize me or whatever. You actually have to like meet people and talk to them. Wasn't there a bishop who who was being attacked for being anti-gay? And he said, I welcome anyone to come to my office and talk to me from the LGBT community or the movement or, or whatever. And nobody would because it's too hard to like talk to a person that you disagree with. It's easier to just say you're wicked or a liar or stupid. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think a part of it is you touched on with with all of those examples is and this is where it's a real challenge for me to look at things objectively and so because i am like that is how i operate mm-hmm. i come up with a conclusion and then create evidence and create a logic which or skew evidence yeah like yeah. put evidence in yeah. yeah or use it however i want which like i'm very very good at humans are very good at that we can rationalize just about anything to yeah fit fit my own comfort um but, oh shoot, oh yeah, it takes a lot of hard work. Um, and that's, I think, part of why I've given up on like really trying to stay informed with politics because you have to read a lot and you have mm-hmm. to be willing to like get into the nitty gritty. I mean, think about your example there with just your chemistry lab. It took you a semester to prove one like nuance about a bigger point that your doctoral student was trying to make. Right. And it took you the entire semester to do that. Uh, and the same goes with like church politics. The same goes with politics, politics. The same goes with most things um, is if you just look at it like this glancing blow and you just take all these um, different pieces of evidence and fit it into your story, then you're, you're probably missing out on a lot of the complexity of the details that are going on there, uh, which is really unfortunate because like, the classes that I'm taking now require a lot of reading and a lot of detailed research, mm-hmm. which is not my forte to say the least. <laughs> that's actually like a nightmare of mine. Um, <laughs> but that's what it requires. That's why like, that's why JR is so good at what he does. Yeah. History, like look at history. You can just take any piece of, uh, of a story or any piece of data and make it say whatever you want, but you have to do hard work to get into what was actually going on at the time um, you know, biblical, you can apply this principle to a, to a lot of different things, but oftentimes there is, yeah, just a lot of complexity that's going on that is really difficult and takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort to invest, like I- investigating into it. Um, yeah. And honestly, I don't want to do that a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. So it's just much easier to take the, the big picture and just have it fit your own narrative. Mm. Just wait until you hear about this documentary I just watched, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. It yeah. proves everything that I already knew to be true. Uh-huh. Yes, dude. And the point is, is you, this will help you to pray better because you actually have to look at it. Well, Boom, I, baby. My thing is that... Yes. Um, <laughs> baby. What was I going to say? Oh, Two minutes. Two-minute warning. Like, what comforts me is that a lot of the stuff that people get super excited about and super sure about that everybody that disagrees with them is so stupid or bad yeah. is like not that important in the grand scheme of things. And I don't mean to be glib, 
um, you know, because there are certain things in politics and economics that are very important. People need to make a living. People need to be uh, equal under the law and all that stuff. But um, just read about like what was happening in the time of Thomas Aquinas or Francis of Assisi and the you know the the emperor and the pope and the politics of that time. And people probably had super intense opinions about stuff. Um, and nobody knows anything about the political arrangement of back, you know, nobody cares about feudalism or this king or that lord anymore. Even though that seemed probably at the time like the most important thing in the history of earth to whoever that, you know, was affecting or not even necessarily affecting directly, but it just, you know, it was the thing people talked about and got mad about at Thanksgiving. Doesn't Barron end the first episode of Catholicism with like Cardinal George when Benedict was elected? You guys oh, remember yeah. that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's it. Like they caught him kind of like looking out into the distance and he was looking like at, I don't, I don't know what hill in Rome or He was looking whatever. at the Colosseum, was, I thought. Yeah, was, yeah, it was something <clears> like, it was Colosseum or the forums or something like that. And he was thinking to himself like, where is your successor, Marcus Aurelius? Because yeah. I'm standing by the successor of St. Peter. It's amazing. Which is yeah. a pretty nerdy thing to say, but also pretty B.A. It's real B.A. Yeah. Dude. It's yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> Intensely both. Gosh, he was the man. Yeah, he dude. He is the man. That's where, like, when I think of a solution to it, I don't know about the solution to actually coming up with healthy, uh, accurate statistics, but because I can't, like, I just physically and temporally with the time that I have, I can't invest all the energy that I need to in the fields of history or the fields of politics or economics or church politics even is I just have people that I trust that I know do that work mm-hmm. and then I just go and talk to them. Yeah, right. It's like car mechanics. Mm-hmm. I know virtually nothing about cars <laughs> yeah. and I hate a lot of car dealerships and a lot of car mechanics because they always rip me off. Mm-hmm. And so I have a car guy that I go and talk to. I have there an accountant go. person that I go and talk to. Yeah. I have JR that I go to talk to about politics and history. And movies. And movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are, these are people who have put tons of effort and energy and passion mm-hmm. and have done the hard work that I trust. Yeah. I trust them and so therefore I'm going to listen to what you have to say. That that that's the only solution that I can come up What's with. That's it, dude. We'll have to do one on we'll have to do a podcast sometime on like the people in your life that you need. Mm. Like an accountant. You need a car guy. A car guy. But that's what well, and and honestly, that's why I need a spiritual, priest. A spiritual yeah, a director. Spiritual, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like you would add or a confessor. In there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you need those things. Yep, absolutely. We gotta go. All right. Okay, off Good talking to you guys. <laughs> Later, skaters. Peace. See Peace. ya. Bye. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.